Hey friends, welcome to Tuesday, June 7th. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Enough for Today. We're in Psalm 50, so I want you to join me there. And we're going to kind of overview, we might make it through verse 6. The first portion of the psalm is verses 1 through 6. We talked about verse 1 yesterday. This is a call to pure and sincere worship. um, And it's a call to enter the presence of God with authenticity, okay? Because of who God is. Verses 1 through 6 really sets up who God is and what's happening when we come before him, which is a picture of what will ultimately happen at the end of time. So let's pick it up in verse 2. Let's read verse 1 just, just to get the sense of it. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth <clears throat> called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. So... God is portrayed here in, a, in, in several ways, but I want you to catch him. Mighty God. He's almighty, all-powerful. He's Lord. He's over everything. He's the final authority. Out of Zion, the, perf- it, it, the perfection of beauty, God has shined. So God is brilliantly bright, and he is beautiful, okay? So God is coming in beauty. He's coming with light, impurity and perfection and and beauty. Um, But God is also judge. A fire shall devour before him. Now we're going to get a context of what that fire is about. And the New Testament gives us a context as well. Because there are two kinds of fire. Okay. I don't want to get ahead of myself. The fire shall devour, devour before him. And it shall be very tempestuous round about him. So God is coming in beauty as Lord and mighty God, as the God of his people, but he's also coming as judge with with tempestuous fire, with a consuming fire, okay, round about him. And verse 4, he shall call to the heavens from above to the earth that he may judge his people. So he's, in this judgment, he's gathering his people, okay, that they may give account. He's bringing them into accountability, to judgment, okay? Now, we think, if you've been tracking with me, you probably don't think this anymore. We tend to always go negative with judgment, okay? Like, we immediately think hellfire and brimstone, condemnation, which you might uh, be already thinking because God has fire here, okay, that's devouring in this picture. But let's step back for a minute get our wits about us before we just react emotionally to scripture and let's let's break down these concepts so the idea of a judge in the old testament was a good idea um, because there there was probably a, a a sense of goodness to an honest judge more so than condemnation it really depends on your relationship to the judge and your relationship to the law okay so if you have violated the law then the judge is bad news but if you have been, um, if you have kept the law, or if you have been exonerated, then the judge is good news. So for a widow that was being oppressed, or a single mom, or an orphan that was being attri- oppressed by society, a, a favorable um, judge advocate was a good thing. An honorable, honest judge. Well, God's an honorable judge. He's an honest judge. He's the most honest judge. He's the most loving, fair, kind judge. So I just want you to begin. This idea that judge is not always a negative thing. It always is a, 
um, categorical thing. In other words, the judge is to divide between right and wrong, okay? So when he is declaring right, rewarding right, advocating for the right, a judge is, is an advocate and a friend. And when the judge is dealing with evil, judging evil, though that's a negative thing, he's still an advocate for those that have been hurt or oppressed by the evil. So when I was a younger Christian, I used to really think of God's judgment as this terrifying thing to avoid. Well, I think that's the first position you start because the human conscience just knows I'm guilty before God. I'm sinful. By God's judgment, I'm a sinner. But once you're saved from that sin, once you know God's forgiving, forgiven you by Jesus, then all of a sudden the whole thing flips around and God as judge is your advocate. He's your friend. Your father sits on the bench, okay? And your crimes have already been atoned for. So he welcomes you into his courtroom in that sense. All right, so Carrie, if judging is a good thing, then why is God tempestuous? Why is there a fire devouring before him? All right, well, the New Testament shines some light on this, that God is a consuming fire, and that fire for believers will never consume them, but it will consume the wood and the hay and the stubble for which they lived. Okay, so this ties back into Psalm 49 where people were trusting or living for wealth and worldly honor that's going to consume up. We have, as believers, a judgment. Now, I want you to think of this judgment not as our beating and not as our condemnation because Christ Jesus has taken all of that on the cross. What we call the judgment seat of Christ is for believers, and to be honest with you, it's a reward ceremony. But in the first position, it is a a testing by fire of our works, okay? So our doings in this life are put on the fire of God's analysis, God's judgment, and gold, silver, precious stones, the the works that we have done for eternity, the, the ways we have invested our lives in, in ways that honor God and glorify him, that's the, it, uh, the faith works. Let me just say it that way. What is God after? Faith. Anything you've done by faith, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whatsoever is of faith is is gold, silver, precious stones. But all the wood, hay, stubble of our lives in that judgment seat of Christ is going to be consumed, all right? But that the outcome of that judgment is reward. God is going to reward us for the good works. Now, what do we do with those rewards? We certainly don't keep them. We certainly don't compare ourselves among ourselves. Look at how much I got. Look how little you got, that kind of thing. That's not going to happen. We're going to cast our crowns at his feet because we're going to recognize all of that reward is simply a product of his grace and his goodness, and we can never be deserving of any of it. And so, so there is a judgment for believers. It is not a fiery judgment that consumes us. We've been saved from wrath, okay? But it is a fiery judgment that consumes the wood, hay, and stubble of our lives, which to some degree will bring some regret of how we lived our lives, but to some degree will also bring relief and release because we're no longer going to be bound up by the little idols and pursuing the wood, hay, and stubble of this life. We'll be liberated from that and we'll be in the presence of Jesus forever. Okay, so he is a beautiful God coming to put us to account, to test us, our works, our lifestyles, 
whatsoever's faith will be tried by fire. Um, so verse 4, he shall call the heavens from above the earth that he may judge his people. You and I have this accounting coming. Why did I say this is a little bit of what happens every Sunday? Because every time we come into the presence of God with his people, there is a quality to it. Yes, we celebrate. Yes, we worship. Yes, we fellowship. Yes, we grow. We we educate ourselves. We learn the Bible. We make decisions. But what what is there also happening? Conviction. There's a testing. We, we lay out our hearts before God. His spirit um, probes our lives and puts us to the test. And he's purifying and he's changing and he's, he's, he is... He is uh, sanctifying us, and he wants us to be responsive to that and receptive to that. He wants us to um, to let him do that work. So in, in a micro version, every time we come before the Lord, he is purging and testing and trying us. His spirit is doing that work, and that is a pure part of worship. Now, I need to wrap this up, but I want you to see verse 5, okay? We'll, I'll just read it, touch on it, and we'll pick it up here tomorrow. He says, gather my saints together unto me. So no doubt here, he's talking about people who have trusted him by faith. Okay, no doubt. Gather my saints together unto me. Those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Now there's the gospel, my friend. You say, well, wait a minute. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, remember this is pre-Jesus, pre-New Testament and, 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 and God was teaching people, you can have a covenant relationship with me. You can come into my love on the basis of, of a sacrifice that atones for your sins with the promise that one day I'm going to be that sacrifice. Well, Jesus was that sacrifice. He's the blood of the everlasting covenant. And because of his sacrifice, our faith in that sacrifice brings us into that covenant, which makes us his people. That's where the gospel is in this psalm, and that's why we know what kind of judgment this is. Okay, in the first position, it's the judgment seat of Christ, and it's the judgment that God, it's the testing and proving that God wants us to, on a small sense, small scale, experience every time we come into his presence. Search me, try me, know me, see if there be any wicked way in me. And so, we'll park it here for today, and we'll pick it up here tomorrow. Think on these things. And have a great Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow.